Hi there, listener. I'm Ian Willoughby, and this is the 21st edition of the Prague Talk podcast from Radio Prague International. This time, my guest is Juraj Mravets, who you've probably never heard of, though you may very well have heard his work. In fact, scores, if not hundreds of millions of TV viewers around the world have enjoyed Juraj's work because he's a very successful TV and film sound designer who's worked on a long list of shows, including commercial and critical hits like The Crown, Veep, Black Mirror and Peaky Blinders. Juraj, who's 43, stopped by at our studio the other day and the conversation took in everything from the difference between international and Czech productions to what precautions he takes to look after his hearing. And you can enjoy our chat now. That's in this edition of Prague Talk. Well, my first question, Uri, is a quite a general one. What qualities do you need to be a successful sound man? You need to be able to listen. But I don't know. I'm not sure like, if there's anything such as a talent thing for sound. I think it's more like you have to be like involved in the film and you have to be able to work with films and be able to follow the story of a film. I think that's kind of like crucial, I think. And obviously then like, yes, you need to have some reasonably, I don't know, sophisticated hearing. But a lot of that, I think, comes with practice. Like you can really train your ears up quite a lot. What exactly do you do? Because on your IMDb entry, it lists you as a sound effects editor, a Foley recordist, an AD or mixer. What exactly do you do? Okay, well, these are like all basically like sub-professions of a sound designer on a film or on a TV show. If you look at what happens with uh, how a soundtrack is produced, then you obviously start on the set. You start with a recording and you have a person who does that. So that's kind of like one profession. And basically, especially in the UK and the US, it's people who do just that. They don't work in the studio. They're just on the set. They're called production sound mixers. And then you go into post-production when you prepare all the sounds, when you edit them, record them, you have to find them somewhere. That's the part which I'm involved in. And uh, there is, as I said, several sub-professions in there. You have to record some dialogues with the actors because some dialogues might have been missed on the set or the set was noisy. It just wasn't possible to record everything or the director wants to add a new line. So that's what an ADR mixer does. Some sounds are missing and will be done by a sound effects editor. So sound effects editor works with these like huge sound libraries and uh, you know you may go out and record some sound effects such as like atmospheres of a place or sounds of a car going by and a sound effects editor will then collect these and edit them work with them and work them to the picture then there's this beautiful thing called foley uh, which is basically sounds recorded in a studio in sync with the picture such as uh, there's a scene uh, somebody comes into a restaurant and you know they get glasses so you actually have glasses in the studios and you put them down on the table and uh, the foley artists do that in sync with, with what's happening and they can do footsteps you have dialogue editors who cut just a dialogue and clean it up it's amazing what they can do these days and then uh, you have the mixer who then mixes all these sounds together Typically, would you be on the set for the shoot of a TV series, for example? I work as a sound effects editor or supervising sound editor, which means I'm responsible for the whole part of like editing all the sounds. 
So I wouldn't be, no, that would be the production sound mixer who would be recording the sounds on the set. But what might happen is if there is something quite special going on on the set that we know already, like right from the start, that it's going to be really difficult to get that from either libraries or just to recreate that again, then we will go as like a second team on the set and hopefully we'll get a chance to record the stuff. So for example, historical cars. If there's a something happening in the Second World War and you will have like all this equipment on the set, then hopefully you'll be able to negotiate with the production that they'll let you spend, I don't know, half a day or a day on the set somewhere slightly to the side and be able to record all these things because that's obviously very precious. So I will go on the set like in this sense, like uh, to pick up various sounds, but not actually to the recordings of the actors and of the action. Somebody else will do that. Your list of credits is incredibly long. I think it was like 100 I saw or something like that on IMDb. Are there any projects you've worked on that you're particularly proud of? I think the project which I liked the most was The Crown because uh, it was just like my kind of show, I suppose. It's not like saying it's better or worse than something else. It's just kind of like I really liked it. And it was a really good script and a really good story. And it's still going on, actually. And I really enjoyed that. So I liked it for the story and for what it is. But I also liked it for the possibilities we had with sound because there was like so much attention to detail as it was in all the other elements of the whole show from costumes to camera that it was it was really challenging. But at the same time, it was really satisfying to work on that show. And I really enjoyed that in the Czech Republic. I really enjoyed working on the feature film on, of Jan Svěrák, Kuky, Severací, which I thought was uh, was the most fun project to work on. Also, I guess if you work on something like The Crown, that's like a world hit. That's one of the biggest TV shows of the year on the planet, right? It is, and uh, it was at the time when it came out. Basically, that was uh, Netflix, like number one show. They've never spent more money on a. They have now. But at the time, that was the biggest budget they've ever done on a TV show. And yes, luckily, it was very successful. Everybody says that there's a really high level of technical standards in the Czech Republic for filmmaking. And that's why so many foreign crews come here. But when you work here, when you work in London or maybe the States, how does it really compare in reality? Are the standards comparable here and there? I think in certain aspects they are, in certain aspects less so. Well, the reason why the foreign filmmakers come here is they they come here for the filming, for the actual production on the set. And I think that's because obviously they can get very good prices here, but also like the crews are quite amazing here and they get really good, as you said, technical expertise. So I think the people who work on the set are really, really quite good. Uh, Then when you go to post-production, from my experience, what I've been able to see, then let's say a craft such as sound design, which is what I do. I mean, I I can't really talk about everything else because I haven't experienced it enough. Uh, But in terms of the post-production of sound, which is what I do, it is quite different in London, I have to say, or in Los Angeles. That's actually the main reason why I went there about 10 years ago. Before I moved to London, I was like, the big question for me was like, so how come, how come those American and British films, how come they sound so great when I go to the cinema? They just sound amazing. And, you know, we spend like all this time working on this Czech film and it, sound, it sounds good, but you can just tell, like, it's not there. It's not the same thing. And so I was really kind of intrigued by this question and I really kind of wanted to get to the bottom of this. And uh, I thought the only way to find out is to move there, basically, and to become part of the teams. And it took me some time to find out but i think like the main reason is one of the things i observed is like there is a way of actually looking after the craft 
and passing it on to young people, which there isn't in the Czech Republic with sound, for example. It's kind of like you become part of a team here and everybody kind of learns for themselves. It's kind of, uh, and it's quite exciting because you get thrown at things and you have to figure them out yourself and you do. And, you know, you make mistakes and you learn from them and it takes you a couple of years, but you get there. It doesn't really happen like that in London. Like uh, you basically have to assist someone for a couple of years and you have to learn things the way they're doing them. That can be quite excruciating, quite difficult, and maybe sometimes quite depressive, but it actually gets you into a really good place really fast. Another thing I notice, somehow there's more competition between the people. I, I don't know why. We always had people coming into the studio asking for a job, basically, all the time. Like, And people wanted to start at like, the lowest position possible as a runner. Whereas here, it can be slightly even like difficult to get people so, so that you, you, you can manage the projects. That's another thing. And then I think, of course, uh, the scale of the industry is different there and the budgets. And that also has a substantial impact. And the attention all the projects get from the producers is massive. I have a question about Czech films. I often sense when I'm watching Czech films, or I have in the past anyway, that the actors have dubbed themselves later. And I know this happens elsewhere. Is it the case that it's done more in this country in the Czech film industry, or is it the case that it's done less well and is more obvious? Because sometimes it seems so obvious to me. I agree with you, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not done more than it would be on, on the British or American films. It's done not as well, basically. That's the simple answer. There is uh, several reasons for it. Part of it is actually the skill, to be honest, of the sound designers. It's done slightly different here than it is done in London. There's more people involved in London, like more people supervising it, and that does help. And there is a certain method to, uh, which is slightly different, which really helps. Another thing is, which I think is really not helping with the Czech films is, I mean, with the voices and revoicing, is that there's this whole thing of like doing the Czech versions of all the foreign films, and like most of the actors do that for a living. And I think it somehow damages them. They articulate too much or something? No, it's like, that's like, you know, because that's like a very fast thing that they, they like, they have to like do the whole film in a couple of hours, basically. And they do it uh, with the exception of like uh, some maybe animated feature films for cinema when it's like a real proper setup and like they have the time to do it. All these like television things which are dubbed for television into Czech, they just have to do it really quickly. So they basically like, they read through the script with a little bit of acting and the sync's not there because it can be because it's a different language. And there's this like certain like um, tone in their voice when they do that. And I think that kind of like stay with them for the ADR. And, and I find it incredibly difficult actually to like snap them out of this. And, uh, you know, the, the, the British and American actors, they've never had the opportunity to do this, which is probably a good thing. I'm almost surprised to learn that there's so much of this uh, revoicing or dubbing by actors of themselves in the UK or in the States. Is it really a lot? Like if I watch a, an episode of Veep or something, how much of it is recorded kind of authentically on the set and how much is added later or changed later? It's, it's like, um, I mean, of course it differs for every film, but I would say about like 80% is the original dialogue and like the 15, 20% or so is redone. Obviously, we try to use as little of the re-recorded stuff as possible because it's like, you know, it's incredibly difficult to recreate a performance in a studio while it first happened on the set with, I don't know, 100 people around there and like in the actual environment, it's just different. In the same way that, for example, 
an opera singer, when they go on a plane, they're always sucking lozenges and taking different measures to make sure their voice is not affected. Do you have to look after your ears? Yeah, I, I do, to an extent, because uh, it's a long career and there are long days that you work. And uh, especially when you're mixing, especially if it's for cinema, but even TV these days, you work at quite loud levels. And, you know, the day can be eight, nine hours, but also 10, 11, 12, if, if it has to be. And like your ears really get tired. I mean, there isn't that much you can do, but obviously, I mean, I don't listen to anything on the headphones, for example, like at the end of the day, like when I walk home or when I'm walking on the street, I'm just listening to the street, which I actually, I, I really like listening to the atmosphere of the world around us. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is I don't really go to very loud places such as like concerts and like nightclubs, not anymore, just because it's it's just too much for the ears. And I've had a couple of times when, you know, I went even to a pub and we had to go to a different one because it was just too loud with the music and everything. And yes, there are actually these very clever headphones, which are like these um, like pods. They're like done as a mold especially for your ear it's like a print of your ear and you put it inside your ear and it, it fits really well and it takes the level of the sound down by like 15 db or something like that and in theory it should still sound the same it doesn't exactly but it's actually pretty good so i have those just in case like if i know i have to go to somewhere where it's loud so i have them like available and like you know you may use those like even like on a mix if uh, somebody else on the mixing stage is going through a very loud sequence and just like re-editing, re-editing, re-editing. So yes, I mean, I'm doing these things and you kind of have to, I think, in order to keep your ears fresh. My guest in this episode of Prague Talk was sound designer Juraj Mravets. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, why not check out the previous 20 ones that are available and sign up to receive this podcast every time it comes out. But for me, Ian Willoughby, thanks a lot for listening to Prague Talk and speak to you again very soon. <laughs>